Hi friends to this special Christmas-themed episode of The Myth Pilgrim. I've actually really looked forward to recording this episode because I get to explore with you the story behind my favourite Christmas carol, O Holy Night, and why perhaps it means so much to so many people. I mean, what's not to love about O Holy Night, even just in the sheer scope of what the hymn covers? It writes about the humility of a newborn and the grandeur of a heavenly king. It captures the sort of longing and aching of waiting, but also the glory and triumphant arrival of the Lord of Lords, you know, inviting us to both fall on your knees in adoration and also to leap up and sing, let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, O praise his name forever. Yes, in this carol, the full drama of the Christmas story is revealed, and it is one almost fairy tale tale one that has arrested the world's imagination, even while many do not actually confess faith in Christ. Hmm. Today, I also have for you a little treat towards the end, because two good friends of mine, Paul and Petronella, have generously recorded a rendition of O Holy Night, especially for this episode, as a beautiful way to lead us into Christmas time. So there's something beautiful to look forward to at the end of today too. You know, there's a double meaning to this episode's title, The Story Behind All Holy Night, because I mean this in the sense of both the story behind the literal writing of the hymn in the 1800s, but also the story that inspired All Holy Night, the biblical story of the first Christmas. And rather funnily and rather unusually, a reflection on the story behind the writing of All Holy Night can actually lead us to a deeper reflection of the actual biblical story of Christmas when normally it's the other way around. So that's a bit of a pitch for this episode. So let's begin with the story behind the hymn itself. The original lyricist of O Holy Night was a man who was otherwise not a practicing believer at the time. It is France 1847 and Placide Capur was a humble wine merchant who wrote a little poetry on the side. He was surprised when his friend, the Paris priest of his little town, asks him to pen a new poem to be recited at their Christmas Eve service. Out of friendship more than faith, Capur agrees. And so, on a long and bumpy road inside a carriage, he takes out the Gospel of Luke and begins to read it properly for the first time, imagining what it might have been like on that first sacred night. By the time he arrives in Paris, Cantique de Noël was written. So impressed by his own work, he wanted to turn his poem into a hymn. But not being musically gifted himself, he turns himself to Adolphe Adam, a known composer in the area. Now what's fascinating is that Adolphe Adam was a Jewish man, who again never read the gospel and certainly didn't believe that Jesus was God incarnate, let alone even celebrate Christmas. Nevertheless, so moved by the story and lyrics that were written, that Adam wrote the only tune he could which could capture the epic scope of the Christmas tale. Coming up with a melody I heard someone once describe as capturing simplicity, beauty, desire, darkness, power, and then finally restfulness. And so three weeks later on Christmas Eve, this song was performed at the service and it was received with much warmth and enthusiasm that in a short time, this little hymn was sung all around France. However, When Capur officially walked away from the faith and became part of the French socialist movement, and church leaders discovered that Adam was a Jew, the Catholic Church enforced a sudden ban upon the song. All Holy Night was officially blacklisted. 
For how could a hymn coming from such unholy origins be of God? But then, a decade later, halfway across the world in America, a Unitarian minister named John Sullivan Dwight happens across an old copy of All Holy Night and was immediately struck by the lyrics. And it is his English translation that we now know so well. Dwight, an ardent abolitionist against slavery in America, was particularly struck by the lines, Chains shall he break, for the slave is his brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. For Dwight, the Christ child wasn't just a peaceful presence, but a warrior and a liberator, one who invades the darkness and dares to reach into human sin and oppression. And in this vein, the hymn in America swelled once again in popularity. Finally, All Holy Night literally made history when, in 1906, it was part of the first ever radio broadcast in human history. Yes, you heard that correct. On Christmas Eve 1906, from Brant Rock, Massachusetts, Reginald Fessenden reads a passage from the Bible and then plays O Holy Night with violin accompaniment. And this broadcast was picked up not only in cathedrals and churches and towns, but by ships far out at sea right around the continent, which was a miracle at that time. And since that day, the carol has continued to speak hope into the furthest corners of the world every year. Who would have thought that this scrappy little poem from a tiny town in France, written by an atheist, composed by a Jew, banned for 10 years, revitalized by an abolitionist, would one day retell the Christmas story so profoundly all around the world? So that's a little summary of the story behind O Holy Night. In itself, it's already inspiring to see how God chooses to work in our fallen world and how his will often comes about through the most unlikely means conceivable. This was true of biblical times, and it is certainly true in our lives today, dear friends. If you think that God can't bring about X through a clumsy, unlikely vessel like Y, think again. Consider O Holy Night's unlikely origins. You'd think that such a sweeping Christmas carol would have been written by some famous theologian or some organ extraordinaire, but no, It was written by a man who, even in his lifetime, caused scandal. Let us not be too scandalized, though, for our Saviour also entered the world in lowly, scandalizing circumstances, and unpredictable ones at that. An unwed virgin in a nobody town on the outskirts of nowhere in a physical location considered the most ritually unclean by the Jews at that time. This is our Saviour's preferred place of dwelling. There is a profound message of hope for us here, and I cannot say it any better than what another unlikely figure has already said. Carl Jung, a famous father of modern psychologists, says that, quote, Modern people can't see God because they won't look low enough. Modern people can't see God because they won't look low enough. I'll leave that one for you to ponder. Remember the detail about how the original All Holy Night was threatened to be banned by the church and was banned ultimately in its time because of the scandal of its origins? Well, this certainly has Christ parallels like all over the gospel. For the ordinariness of Jesus really did upset the established order of the time and many wanted to ban him. 
I mean, even Herod tried to ban the infant Jesus before he even grew up when he ordered that terrible massacre of the infants, which in turn led to Joseph and dear mother Mary fleeing into Egypt for protection. This set into motion many long years of Jesus' hiddenness, where from the authorities' perspective, the Jesus problem had been dealt with cleanly. But then, after 30 years of hiddenness, Jesus re-emerges in an entirely new form, the adult carpenter turned Messiah from Galilee. Just as the hymn, O Holy Night, re-emerges after a season of obscurity and takes new form in America, Jesus too makes a dramatic comeback, not as an infant now, but as the Christ, destined to turn the established world order on its head. Remember how the American John Sullivan Twight was struck by O Holy Night's message of liberation for slavery? Well, this was Jesus' mission at its core, one that was so shaped by Isaiah's famous Spirit of the Lord prophecy, which said, quote, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to let the oppressed go free. End quote. And this is why Old Holy Night has such a dramatic sort of shape for anyone who's tried to sing it. For the unshackling of us mortals from sin and death is no small feat and is quite dramatic. Indeed, from the time of Jesus' resurrection, the gospel has become unstoppable, carried by the apostles to the ends of the earth, riding even radio waves across the seas to all people, so that all may one day confess, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See why I love this carol, dear friends? It isn't just the beautiful lyrics and melody, it's the story behind it, the very shape of the story, one that echoes in so many ways the gospel we celebrate every Christmas. May something of today's retelling help prepare your heart this season, and may you not miss the presence of Christ by refusing to look low enough. Hmm. I want to take this opportunity to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for this year that's gone by, for your ongoing support and your prayers and your sharing this wonderful ministry of the Myth Pilgrim. I am eternally grateful to each of you, and I want you to know that each of you make creating content like this so worthwhile. I will be carrying all of you in prayer over the Christmas break. As usual, I will be taking January off to rest up a little and commune with God's creative spirit, but I look forward to continuing our pilgrimage with more myths and fairy tales sometime in February. But for now, as promised earlier, I invite you to enter into a reflective space, to journey anew with O Holy Night, allowing the vocals of my friends Paul and Petronella to lead you in a time of prayer.
Thank you, dear friends, and I wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless.